Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How to Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Dr. Kindred Murillo, who is owner of The Ascending Consulting. Hi, Dr. Murillo. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. Oh, it's a great opportunity. Love, I've listened to several of your podcasts, and I love that you're doing a feature on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's that's the work I love. Amazing. Well, I'm so glad to hear it. Um, so we can jump straight into the questions, perhaps. Uh, let's start off with a quick introduction about who you are and perhaps a main answer to the question of the podcast, which is, how'd you do it and why should I care? Okay. Well, I'm Kendra Murillo, and I just retired from the California Community College system for for 24 years, where I started as a faculty member and kind of worked my way through the um, system. I actually am a community college graduate. I uh, Part of the reason I do what I do is because community college saved me. It, it's something that I hold very personally because um, I had messed up my life pretty well. I wouldn't say totally messed it up, but had gone down a pretty rough path when I was a teenager and went to Barstow Community College. And a lot of professors had a lot of faith in me and taught me that I could do things. So that was really important. So I. I actually, in my second career, came to the community college system, and I never intended to be a college president. Um, My last 10 years I spent as a college president, and the last 10 years I was doing a lot of work around equity and um, inclusion because that is so important in higher ed. That's why people should care. Higher education matters. Um, Teachers matter. (laughs) Yeah, I think teachers are definitely people who shape you in your life. And I think everybody remembers that one teacher or professor that they had during their schooling career who had a really big impact on them. But I guess my next question to you is, what inspired you to sort of join the industry of of the college, you know, um, system? Was it that experience that you had, sort of how community college saved you, or was it more? I think it was more because by the time I joined the system, I was actually midlife. So um, it was kind of that second career. I think it was everything I learned along the way about doing something constructive. So what I did um, was I worked in the electric utility industry, which had um, a real big restructuring because of electric deregulation. So I spent a lot of time laying off people because we were downsizing and we were having to slim down our expenses. So when I finished my master's degree, I I really decided I wanted to do something constructive, something that built people's lives rather than walking into an office and saying, I'm sorry, your job is disappearing. Mm. And that, I think, became sort of a driver for me was to do something that really helped people kind of meet their potential. Like people helped me when I was in community college. And so that's why I went into teaching. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like you were kind of trying to also give back to what you'd received. So I think that's a wonderful way to put it. Um, And then what were the best resources that helped you along in your journey into becoming, um, you know, a a president of a college, which is such an amazing feat? 
Well, I'll always say people. Mm-hmm. Um, people that help you are always some of the best resources because they're the ones that will give you feedback. You need really good mentors and people that are willing to say, you know, you might want to think about how you did that and reflect on it a little bit or, you know, or just be willing to listen to you. And so that was something for me that was important. I was an avid reader. Um, I think I saw a quote recently somewhere. Somebody was talking about the fact that, you know, leaders read. Not all readers are leaders, but all leaders read. And and you need to read widely and vastly. You need to hear all the different points of view. You need to hear what people have to say. Um, I think one of the things I got into in the late 80s and early 90s was it used to be old cassette tapes where you listen to inspirational leaders who talked about leadership and the kinds of things you needed to do now. We have podcasts, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a different thing. But I did I did a lot of that. I drove probably, I would say, 110,000 miles a year for probably five or six years. Wow. So I listened to podcasts con- or tapes. I just had tapes over and over, listened to them. So that was part of it. And I, then I'll, I'll tell you the thing that I always pass on to um, people that I help mentor or coach, and that's your reflections of what you learn from making a mistake. Mm. Because if you, what you, what you do when you make a mistake, if you stop it and go, wait a minute, I could have done that better, or I shouldn't have done that, I could have done this, and you get back up and you do it differently, to me, that's important. Because if you get back up and then try to do the same thing you did before, you're really not learning. And I think that's the big piece. Be a learner. Mm -hmm. Be somebody that's always curious. What's going on over here? What can I read over here? What's happening? You know, who's talking over here that I need to hear? And I think that's a really important piece, especially if you're an educator. Definitely. And speaking about mistakes, actually, thinking about the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Well, I think the biggest failure was um, I was in a job as vice president of a college and the boss that I worked for and I did not get along. Mm-hmm. And I loved the college. I mean, I loved the people. I loved the faculty. And I left. Um, I think in a way I let her put me in the position of not being my best self and not standing up to her and saying, I'm, I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to put up with you slamming doors in my face and yelling at me. Um, I think I could have done that better. Um, you know, the part that I always remind myself is I wouldn't end up where I am if I had stayed Mm. and I learned something from that. So I think that for me was a failure, but I also learned that tenacity and resilience and standing up for what you believe is really important. Definitely. And that's such a great piece of advice. And following on from that, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? You know, it's um, 
I think be a learner. Uh, I think that um, you you really need to keep learning and. And I also think sometimes what happens, people get into education and they forget the reason why they get into education, which is students, right? Mm. And, you know, I'm one of those people when I would interview faculty or an administrator, if I didn't hear the words student or students or something very similar probably in the first two to three questions, I was like sitting there being very concerned that this person's probably not focused on the right thing. Mm. Um, You know, that's, are you focused on yourself or are you focused on that student and making sure they have an opportunity like you had? And I think that if you're going to be an educator your students have to be front and center of everything that you do. And therefore that means you're going to be the best person you can be. Definitely. And um, I feel like a lot of people know a lot about the education industry already, or at least they might think they do because it's quite, you know, a well-known industry, but what is one common myth about the industry that you would like to debunk right here, right now? You know, uh, sometimes people say that, um, you know, I hear this a lot and I read reports and 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 some of my colleagues will might take issue with this, but I I hear this piece that always says that education is the the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. And I think it I think the real truth of this is education can be the great equalizer when done well. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because um Education's not always been equitable. You know, like the last 10 years of my life, I've spent working in sort of the equity, diversity, inclusion area. And education has been, I feel like sometimes blind to what students really need to help support them because students come from all kinds of places, all walks of life, all kinds of backgrounds. And what works for one student may not work for another. Mm -hmm. And I think it can be the great equalizer when done well. And I think we're starting to really recognize that in a way that will ultimately make a difference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's going to take a while. For sure. But you know what? One step is a step towards a brighter future in education, for sure. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think um, one of the things that I've seen in the last 10 years, I remember when I was first taught about what we used to call the achievement gap, but Mm -hmm. we don't use that language anymore because um, that puts the onus on the student at saying that they're deficient. And really, it comes down to us as educators. And so we call it the equity gap. And any student that we don't give opportunity to is we're we're wrong. We we need to make sure every student has the opportunity to have access to education, to having support for education, having the kinds of teachers that really care and are interested in your learning. I you know one of the things that and and I say this very 
proudly is we we put together what we called an advancing equity teaching academy at my my most recent college that I was the president at as part of our anti-racism work, which was we wanted to teach our faculty how to help our students succeed. And, and it was really around culturally responsive teaching, making sure that, you know, I, I'm sure you've probably read Paula Freire or Bell Hooks. We're, we're really helping our students and not just saying, oh, we're going to pour this knowledge into you and you just need to repeat what we say. Mm-hmm. We want to take your experience and help you be a better learner. Definitely. You know, and that's a difference than when I went to school where they basically, oh, you need to learn this and this is what you have to do. And we really don't want to hear about your experience. We just want to teach you. It's important to involve the student in higher education. For sure, definitely. And um, I'm sure you're very busy at the moment with your own company, but I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that you're a big podcast listener or what they were cassette tapes in the time, but what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Well, I'm, yeah, I do listen to a lot of podcasts. They've become um, really important. One of the the books that I listen to, um, I loved Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers. I think that that book inspired me to really try to understand conversations better and interactions better. I think he takes apart several um worldwide kinds of cases and particularly the one that um, I found most interesting was Sandra Bland Mm. and where he really, really pulled that apart and, and looked at the dynamic of what happened in that situation. And, and it makes, it really helps me stop and say, before I pass judgment on anything or any incident, I need to understand more about what happened mm. and the people because there's there's such pieces around working with human beings that I think we all need to know. So that was really inspiring to me. The other one that I loved is um, Emmanuel Ancho um, did a podcast with Benet Brown which was, it was like, I had to listen to it three times because it was just so good, you know, in the sense of somebody trying to help people that are white or people that are not black really understand what it's like to be black. And he does it and he uses the quote, speak truth with love and grace. And I think when I was listening to that, you know, I, I've listened to and, and read a lot. You know, I loved um, Cast. Mm. Um, you know, it, it really gets into some really good information we all need to know. But I, I think one of the things that Emmanuel did was do his discussion in a way that really compelled you to want to do something different. Mm. And um the other person that really inspired me that way was Aiko Bathia, I think. She also um, was very inspiring in her words about how we can do anti-racism 
better mm-hmm. and 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 doing it in a way where I think we don't make people enemies and, you know and I think that's the part that I always loved about um leadership is how do you help people come together that are from so many different backgrounds, so many different races, ethnicities, you know, abilities, the way they think, and be able to get all those ideas in a room so that you can make better decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I really believe we make better decisions when we have a diverse team around us. Um, you know, and I, I believe that so strongly that I put together a very diverse team um, my last years of community college leadership so that I had different voices at the table that went, well, you know, my experience with police officers has been this. Mm-hmm. And this person could say over here, well, my experience has been this. And we can really come to good discussions about what 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 do we need to do to refocus and and help our students better. So I, I think it's it's an absolutely critical time um, to reflect on leaders who are willing to come out and talk about what we need to do to change our nation. Definitely. And I think we touched upon this a little earlier, but who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Oh, I think, yeah, you wrote that, you asked that question. Well, first off, in my early life, I would tell you my grandmother. Uh, My grandmother believed in me when nobody did. Um, And she taught me that fairness, um, standing firm for what you believe. She was a woman of faith. And um, she was just somebody that taught me to be a good person. Mm. Uh, The next person, I think, that it was sort of midlife. um, It was sort of a love-hate relationship for a while. It's always (laughs) always like when you have somebody, I remember her telling me, um, you're not ready to be a college president yet, but by the time you finish working for me, you will be. Mm. And she wasn't kidding. I, I mean, literally, she was the hardest person I ever worked for. And she also was the person that really helped me understand that I needed to step up mm. um, in a way that I wasn't. I wasn't being a real leader. I was being shy, quiet, not standing up um, for what I believed in. And I think the day that I recognized how much influence she had on me was when I stood up in front of a group of colleagues. And this was in 2018. And I said, you know, we are taking racism head on at our college. We are not we are talking about it. We're, we're dealing with it. We're, we're working on it. And I think when I found myself saying that in front of my colleagues, I went, okay, her lessons had finally really taken hold. Mm. Um, you really need to fight for what you believe in. Because if you don't, who is? And you will make a difference. 
Definitely. And then, yeah, so third person. Third person, I am a huge fan of Barack Obama mm-hmm. and um, have been for, I, you know, he's kind of like that figure out there. I, I read his book, Audacity of Hope. Um watched him during his presidency as he grew and he admitted he was growing and then read his recent book, Promised Land. And I and I feel like when I read his book, I'm listening to him talk to me in a way because he just writes in such a way that makes you want to read what he has to say and where you learn from it mm-hmm. because he's a learner. He's somebody you can admire because he admits, okay, I probably should have done this or I could have done this better. And he learned from it. And so that's somebody that, you know, his humility, his kindness, his empathy, and his leadership all have um, really influenced my last few years as a college president. Amazing. And then finally, to round off our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? (laughs) You know, that was the hardest question you asked me, because it's kind of like there's been so many pieces of advice that, you know, I think the one thing that probably sticks out the most is believe in yourself when you are telling yourself something, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think for so many years I was, I was told, Oh, you, you don't need to be sensitive about this or you don't shouldn't worry about that. Or, you know, and I got to tell you when you know something and you dismiss it and you still know it is really the right thing to do, or you, it's the thing you shouldn't do really reflected reflecting on that would have been something I should have done more of early on because I think I didn't have enough confidence in myself when I was younger to really believe that I was worth something. I never felt worthy probably until I was in my mid thirties. And then it took a long time and degrees and learning to, to sort of make me realize I have something to give. And that what I know sometimes is right. And that I need to do what I feel is the right thing to do for my life and for me. And I think sometimes I let things push me to in the the directions of what other people thought I should do. And I think, um, Sometimes women make that mistake, probably the ones that grew up in my era where we were coming into the workforce and we were not really as valued, Um, still not. We still have gender pay issues in our country and we continue to try to change that. So, you know, it's that you have to really believe in yourself. Definitely. What a useful piece of advice, especially for anybody starting out in their career. And yeah, that wraps up our conversation. So thank you so much, Dr. Murillo, for taking the time to speak with me today. It was absolutely wonderful to have this amazing conversation about your journey. 
Thank you. Well, it was a pleasure and I've enjoyed your podcast. So um, I'm, I'm kind of trying to get through some of them and listen to the different people you've interviewed, because I think this is important um, conversations around, you know, the fact that you're interviewing different people, different diversities, different, you know, careers. And I think that's a, a really lovely thing to do. So thank you. Of course. Well, thank you so much again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.